Hello, 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 everyone. This is Nick Zetuni, Head of Operations from Coded Minds. Hey, everybody. I'm David Peachment. I'm the Social Media Specialist here at Coded Minds. Hi, my name is Ola, and I am the Sales and Marketing Manager here at Coded and today, my friends, we are bringing Ola, our marketing person here to the podcast because the team that we decided to talk about is entrepreneurship and all the educational experiences you can get out of it. And impressively here at Coded Minds, both me, David, and Ola, we had our ventures in the past that would like to share with some level of detail, giving you the possibility of understanding that if you go in one of those entrepreneurship ventures, you will be getting a lot of learning out of it, not only for the business world. But sometimes things that you learn very theoretically at school that actually are hands-on, very real life. Okay. So as usual, because I like the sound of my own voice, I'm going to start here. And uh, back home in Brazil, as some of you know, I am Brazilian. Uh, at the end of my teaching career, I taught there for close to nine years. Uh, and on my sixth year, I was given the chance of own my own high school there and to run it for three years before coming to Canada. And uh, I was just a teacher. Uh, I didn't even have the proper education to become a teacher back home. I was a bachelor's rather than an arts uh, student, right? And I never had any kind of a formal training in how to do a business, but the challenge was there. I wanted to make sure that I would enjoy as much as I could and learn as much as I could from that experience. So I decided to take the shot. I will save the details because it's such a long story, but in a way, the whole process of me starting a high school from ground zero, trying to find the right teachers, trying to find the right location, advertise, create partnerships, thinking of marketing, how to create all the systems and the, the logistics to make sure that the high school would even work as a high school, right? Taught me so much, but so much in terms of what is the, the, the real important part in becoming an entrepreneur? Is it getting all the theory that you learn from school of business or just regular uh, whatever education you had and bringing into practice or sometimes even doing the trial and error kind of a practice in order for you to understand that there is one path, but that path does not fit your customer, your employees, your school, even as I felt. Just to quote a quick example here, uh, we always decided to cater our services to families that rarely had access to good education. In Brazil, the system is different. Most of the, the good education, it's private and they're, of course, overpriced. So we decided to do our own idea of a private education, but at lower costs. And that was itself a huge learning because in theory, in our social studies, we always learn in school and even through university that like, yeah, you should make sure that, you know, your prices are going to be low enough and you need to direct a lot of things to that specific type of, uh, you know, community or market it in a way that you're going to hit that target. 
But guess what? What I learned from back home is that most of the customers, they would love to be advertised, to be catered, to be approached in the same way as most private overpriced schools would approach them. But the big difference, and that was kind of like an interesting plot twist, was the price is better. So again, no one ever prepared me for that. On contraire, people prepare me to go, oh, if you're trying to just sell to the masses, make sure that you talk the masses languages. And then, no, in order to sell to that specific customer and a private education, I would still need to communicate the same message that most private institutions would, but with that interesting twist of the price being lower and education having the same good quality. Again, I can go over and over and over, but that's going to be unfair with our guests here. So I would like to hand over to Ola so Ola can share a little bit of her entrepreneur uh, ventures in her life. Well, thank you, Nick, for sharing yours. And for me, entrepreneurism was something that I've always kind of thought about just from a young child. Um, just always feeling like I always say, I'm going to own my own business one day. I'm going to be my own boss one day. And never always saying, but I'm not an inventor. I'm not an inventor. So I don't know. I always felt, I always, for the longest time, I always um, put uh, entrepreneurism with inventions and being this genius person who just creates something. But as I got older and I started to mature more, I understood that that's not necessarily what entrepreneurism is. And a lot of entrepreneurism, I should say, actually, is actually what I've learned is uh, solving problems. So everyday problems that people have, um, that you that you yourself experience, that we walk into the in the community, into our environment and say, look, I would love X, or I would imagine that things were like this. And what I learned actually was a lot of entrepreneurs didn't just come up with their own ideas all the time. Sometimes what they did was adapt ideas. Sometimes what entrepreneurs did was um, take an thing that was existing and just make it more, make it better or make it more efficient. Um, um, a really popular one that I learned that I got to learn about and, you know, um, is Uber. So everybody recognizes Uber now today as Uber, right? It's this, this, uh, um, you know, car sharing, or should I say a uh, platform uh, where we get rides, basically a taxi platform, but you know, we have our phones and everything, the app, super awesome. But if you guys actually look into Uber, the creators of Uber, um, got the idea when they were traveling in Europe um, from a company called Now Taxi. Now, I'm sure we don't know, not a lot of people don't know who Now Taxi is. And the, the, the reason for that is because Uber just did it better, right? So we recognize Uber, but Now Taxi was actually the original creators of this idea of being able to get a taxi at right now, wherever you are at your, at the, on, on your app. But what Uber really did was to create the IT part of it, the AI part of it, and uh, sorry, the technical part of it and create it into this app and this company that we know today. Um, and so that's just a, one of the examples of entrepreneurship, not necessarily being the creators or the um, forefront people, but just people who had that idea of making it better, improving and causing social, social change. And so that's something for me, that's why I'm so passionate about entrepreneurism. And um, one of the very first uh, opportunities I was able to do with entrepreneurism, it was in the, in the area of wellness and nutrition and, and, and wellness and fitness. Um, and it was so powerful to me to have something that I actually truly believed in, which was being healthy, being active, living a healthy, active lifestyle, and helping to promote that into the community that I'm from, um, into people that look like myself and families like myself 
who nutrition and uh, was not a big deal uh, or something that was really prominent in um, in my culture, right? Um, Nigerian. So we our food is very very much starchy, very carbohydrates and all that stuff. And so we don't really necessarily think about nutrition all the time. Although our food is healthy, it's not one of the major things people really care about. Um, and fitness for people for us is usually when it's too late when you're having health issues. And I was able to change the narrative there. So you know, entrepreneurship allowed me to help help people in the community, um, you know, cause that social change with the help of um, business partners and other people as well, too. So um, I want to kind of leave you guys with that. It's something that I've learned through entrepreneurship is that it's number one, you don't have to be the first. Number two, you do not have to be an inventor. And number three, just go ahead and solve problems, daily problems that you experience. And, um, and lastly, to um, cause social change and make an impact in the communities or make an impact in the, in the world. And uh, that's really it. And I love the idea. Um, we have this, this, this company that we, um, that we own here, um, Trademark, it's called Edgemakers. And one of the very cool things about Edgemakers, you guys might know, David and Nicholas, I'm sure you guys know Edgemakers. Um, really awesome thing about Edgemakers is um, Edgemakers talks about entrepreneurship and basically it being a, a, um, a, an area of study because a lot of times we look at people like Steve Jobs and Jeff Bezos and we look at them like, wow, they're so unique and they're so extraordinary. But honestly, when you make people extraordinary, you take away your own responsibility. And the cool thing about Edgemakers, it's basically supposed to show you how um, entrepreneurship is actually a skill that everybody can learn. If you wish so to wish to learn, everybody can learn entrepreneurship by learning some traits of successful entrepreneurs, by learning uh, um, personality quality, personal qualities of entrepreneurs, um, looking at entrepreneurship as a change agents, and basically looking at different areas of entrepreneurship that frame entrepreneurship that literally anybody and everybody can learn. And so I would encourage um, everyone that has ever thought of being their own boss, or ever thought of even just making an impact or change in the world to really look at um, learning um, entrepreneurship um, aspects, maybe through a program like Edgemakers um, that teaches you even how to do a startup as well too. So um, super excited um, about that program and accessibility to that. So um, yeah, I think I'll leave it there. <laughs> I want to echo what you said, Ola, because uh, even on Edgemakers, uh, there is one very interesting learning that they go for what entrepreneurs should be doing, right? As you said, they don't need to be thinkers. They don't need to be creators. Sometimes they just need to be tweakers. They get something and they do something slightly better that it could highly impact things like Uber. But uh, the term that age makers use is whatever you're going to do, make it more human centered and making things more human centered. are It's it seems simple, but it's the complete opposite of what most manufacturing industries in the past have been doing. And my favorite example is the refrigerator. You go to any location like before in the before 2000s to buy a refrigerator. What would you see? You would see the freezer on top and the fridge on the bottom, right? And then, of course, your fridge, sometimes you need to go down and kneel down to get all the, the drawers and etc. But why? Because for the engineers, it makes more sense to create a product that's going to be spreading all the cold air from the top to the bottom. But making a fridge more human-centered would make the fridge go and stay on the top of the unit and the freezer in the bottom. Why? 
because you use the fridge much, much more than you use the freezer, right? And then you see all those small pieces of convenience like ice dispenser or water dispenser that would allow one customer to have multiple services at their fingertips. So again, more human-centered. And that's not the greatest invention in the world. It's just doing something slightly better, as you said. Mm -hmm. And now let's hear from Dave, because uh, one of the main reasons why I hired Dave when I hired Dave is because he told me that he had his own company in the past. So Dave, tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, you know, towards the end of my degree, my marketing degree, I really wanted to gain some real-world experience and try new things. And, you know, your school's great. You, you can learn so much stuff and get so much theory. But, it, you know, such a different experience when you're in a classroom learning the top sales techniques and then when you're in front of a customer trying to get them to buy your product. It is such a different experience. And there's so many things you can learn from the actual experience that you just can't learn by reading about it or, you know, practicing it in a classroom or something. So, you know, that was, that was kind of the, one of the core reasons I, I wanted to look into something was to get that experience. But then also um, just, I, I was very involved in the community around me. I knew a lot of business owners and I chatted with people and worked at different places. And, you know, one thing I saw was it was a need in the market that wasn't being met. And that was uh, social media. A lot of the small businesses in the town that I'm from just never used social media, didn't know how to use it, a lot of misconceptions about it. So then uh, not only was it an opportunity for me to get some incredible experience, but also it was such a, as you said, a great opportunity to help people, to make a difference. Like, how can I help these companies and these businesses reach more customers? How can they rank higher on Google, on social media and all that? So then I started a social media management company, social media management and marketing. And so, yeah, and it, it, it was a fantastic experience and learned so much that I couldn't just learn in the classroom, things like, like sales, like meeting the customer's needs. And, you know, like you said, a, a lot of uh, entrepreneurship and innovation it isn't always about coming up with a brand new, never before seen idea. It's, a lot of it is just remixing old ideas, adding in new things, tweaking things and making them better. Like a great example I read about just the other day was about the, the stroller. And about 15, 20 years ago, it was basically just a bassinet on wheels until a team, I forget the exact company, wanted to look at it and think, well, how can we make this better for the parents who have to push this thing, who have to use it? And so then that's where you got the modern stroller today, where it has cup holders, it has extra space for carrying groceries, it has bigger wheels to get on top of sidewalks and get over bumps without disturbing the baby and all kinds of stuff like that. So it's, you know, you, you really don't have to start with a billion dollar idea. You just have to start, like Ola was pointing out, with just the idea of how can you help people? How can you make a difference in your community? And so then that's, that's one of the reasons I started my business. And I think one of the great things about entrepreneurship in general. Yep, that's amazing. And it's simple. But uh, as I like to say, the, the initial step is always the hardest, mm -hmm. right? And that's sometimes what I believe people fail to, to understand even that becoming an entrepreneur. Uh, and again, just to say how even the entrepreneurship itself is reinvented. When I was a child, 
being a business owner, it was, you know, something good. But no one ever called business owners entrepreneurs. And nowadays, owning your own business is part of this whole entrepreneurship. But when you add innovation, which is something that we are talking about in this century, then again, you just have the next level, right? You're not only just selling products, you're trying to sell products that will actually help people. Right. And the three of us here have a lot of have this experience that it's it's very important even to go more in detail. And since I mentioned uh, the very first step, why don't we talk a little bit about our very first steps into doing what we had to do to become entrepreneurs? Right. So my situation was in my hometown there in Brazil, there was this extension program from one university that was trying to give better education to the general public, the public that doesn't have access to education, right? But it was a program that was very, very, very like bad uh, maintained and even run. Students from the engineering department of the university were actually trying to run them, people who had zero knowledge about education. They run everything inside the university, which was extremely complicated because, again, oh, but we're going to be using this classroom for, I don't know, physics of the fluids 101. So you cannot be using this uh, as a classroom for your extension project, right? The amount of funds that the university was providing to that program was close to zero, which was very sad. And again, th there was not engagement with the society. They would just advertise for the families of the employees, and then they could bring their children just to have a little bit of a better education. And I, I, I worked with them. That was actually the very first location that I ever worked in my life in 2004 as a teacher. And I always saw that, like, but how can I make this better? How, like, if they would give me the chance, how can I have better reach? How can I have better organization? How can I make sure that this just skyrockets, right? And of course, funny enough, that never happened till 2009, when the university was about to close the project. And then that's when I just like, okay, they're going to close it. I already have a little bit of the know-how. I already have some contacts. So that's the time for me to start investing in that same project, but mine, mine alone. And then, of course, I started looking and seeing and realizing that the amount of work that I had to do was a little too big, too much, too much to chew by myself. That's when, of course, I decided to open up partnerships. I was able to find two people very, you know, aligned with the vision of what education should be with my vision and what I wanted for the company. And then we just decided to break all the, the shores to open the company down. We assigned things to each other. We just kept each other in the loop. We had all that synergy of us trying to make sure that that's going to work. It did. The business was open. It was running. Then we had to go to other stages like partnerships who we're going to partner with. We partnered with the same university that let the project go. And they started to provide us with books and with people that we could use for whatever we needed. So at that point in time, we didn't have the need for the secretaries because the university was offering like very small scholarships to those students just so they can have a little bit of experience in the educational world. And being a secretary or, you know, someone who be answering calls or someone to help with the marketing. Right. And then we had to find a location. 
So I went straight for our city hall there and said, like, look, we have this project. Can you help us with that? And then they gave us one of their most spacious buildings that they were not using at that point in time that we could use not only for those projects, but for any other events. And the partnership went so well there that the city hall actually had proposed to us to be leading some events for them to bring not only our own uh, company, the, the school, but also the, the university that we're partnered with because they all they were also partners, right? Oh, but Nick, how are we going to get customers? Same thing. The very first challenge that I had is how I'm going to fill those rooms. Now, I have the rooms. I have the staff because that's just doing hiring. But how I'm going to make sure that we are actually selling because we need to make money. I need to pay my teachers, right? And that was the easiest thing ever. We were trying to help people who didn't have money, right, to pay for a good education. So I just went to all public schools that my city had. And I just talked to the principals and I created like a very simple marketing campaign with just flyers that you can just hand out to people. And then out of the blue, I had my very first group of students. Uh, the morning group that we had was close to 60. And the previous school was always close to 15, the university wow. project. And then we had our night group that the, the university project always nibble around 20, 30. And we had 150. <laughs> students yeah so it was amazing and again i understand it's hard you need to stop you need to think you need to you know have your brainstorming sessions with people just to make sure that you are doing what might give you some results and sometimes some of those efforts will not give results i have been to schools that had zero students coming to my high school but Going there, making the effort, exposing myself allowed me to see that those difficulties in life, they're going to be out there all the time. And that school doesn't teach you. School just teaches you that, oh, you go study and everything is going to work out. For you, being an entrepreneur, there is so much more than just study. Very important. You should do it because you should understand what you're going to do. But at the same time, you need to understand all the, the logistics and the challenges that the real world will put to you and how to overcome those issues in order to be successful. Mm. Oh, definitely. Like even, you know, my my experience was definitely not as extensive or as impressive as yours since it was just just me with pretty much an online business. But, you know, I had to go through so much trial and error, trying things that just didn't work. Like I, I had meetings with a bunch of prospective business owners and, you know, I, I realized, oh, they, they actually need something more. They need something different. Like, oh, my price was too high. And, uh, you know, so yeah, there's a lot of, oh, this, this doesn't work. This won't work for these people. So there's so much having to constantly change and evolve, figure out what works, what doesn't. And like I said, even something with like my pricing for the longest time, my pricing wasn't right. It was, um, like I, I looked at what the competition was doing, but what they were doing was servicing bigger clients where I was going after small businesses. So I thought, okay, we'll just take what they're doing and then take what the other uh, competition is pricing and just go a little lower. But even that was still way too high for small businesses. And so I had to go through several meetings with various business owners to figure that out. Right. And I had to, had to fail a lot before I could actually start getting anywhere and start getting that traction. And so, you know, like you were saying, Nick, I think it's so important to be able to 
fail and to learn and, and try to just grow. And I'm sure Ola, you, you would agree as well with your experiences. Absolutely. So I agree with both, both of your experiences there with Nick having to um, kind of carry something that was going down and using, um, you know, very lacy fair tactics to make sure that it would work. And then with you, with your trial and error. Um, so I think we started off by speaking about like the steps, like the first steps, right? And um, in my own case with entrepreneurship, my first step was doing it myself, right? Doing it myself. And um, uh, when I say that, it means like before I was able to start showing people how to uh, lose weight and how to maintain a healthy lifestyle, I did it myself. I lost 16, 16 pounds in two and a half months. Just, just through um, healthy eating, healthy lifestyle, and through um, nutritional supplementation. And so when I was able to do it myself, I was also documenting the journey. And just by me doing that, was able to inspire other people through the documentation of my own journey, through the storytelling that they were receiving from me. And I had no idea at the time that I was going to turn it into a business or that I was going to ever um, earn an income or, or change lives through it. It was simply doing it for myself. And so I think a lot of entrepreneurs, um, if you can, or even um, aspiring entrepreneurs, if you can look right now, what are the things that you're doing right now in your life that you're passionate about, that you would do it anyways, that you would, somebody would have to pay you and you would do it for free. Most likely those are the things that you should be doing, or most likely those are the things that you can probably, you probably know more about than other people that you could share, that you could um, document, that you could create into um, a venture or a startup. And so, like, I, I mean, we all kind of talk about different um, uh, aspects of it here, but really um, it, it's all kind of comes to this whole trial, trial and error. And sometimes it requires you doing it yourself before you can show other people, like, I've been there, I've paved the way, I've, um, I, I have went through the struggles, I've went through the ups and downs. And so now here I am to show you. And I think a lot of times that social media, uh, for example, David, is a lot of that storytelling. It's a lot of that. Um, experiencing the world or, uh, or companies or businesses or products through other people. Um, and that's the, that, that sharing aspect of it. So I think that um, I would encourage anyone who's, you know, listening to this right now is just think about the things that you're already doing um, that you enjoy doing um, that you could just share with other people. It's beautiful because there's one thing that uh, I want to demystify here because mm -hmm. I had that feeling uh, in the past too. If we're talking about entrepreneurs, you're talking about startups, uh, you're usually thinking of that process that the media shows to us if you go to programs like the Dragon's Den and whatnot, mm -hmm. right? You need to go there. You need to do the pitch. You're thinking about, you know, like growing like crazy. No, sometimes you don't need to grow like crazy. You can be an entrepreneur by just, again, like Dave, you can just go in your city, you know, just selling people to small business or trying the health products yourself and then started to selling to people that are around you. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be big. You will be big if your business grows to that extent, if you think that this is something for you. And that takes a lot of trainer as well. And I want to tell you guys one thing. In my high school, at one given point, we had classes in the morning, afternoon, and nighttime. I was handling a, a teacher body of close to 60 teachers just going back and forth. And teachers in Brazil are crazy because you don't work only for one school. You work for different schools in order to make a living. And then what happens? I started to realize that when my school was smaller, 
not only I was able to inspire, but to assist more of the teachers that are around me, but also the philosophy of the school was going in the direction that I wanted. Once I reached that idea like of 60 teachers, close to 500 students more per year, the philosophy, the, the, the learning itself for the students was becoming a little, you know, lower to my standards. And I realized that I was spending most of my time taking care of paperwork than being there helping people when they needed the help. So for me, I discovered that I am what I like to call a, a medium-sized entrepreneur. I, I don't think I'll ever be going to uh, having a company, for example, with, let's just say, one or two uh, staff members, right? Because I think that we don't have enough reach. But I know that my productivity will start plummeting if I go for 60 or more people. So I like to be in that 30 to 50 tops, I would say, march of, uh, of staff and people that you can assist, right? So being an entrepreneur is literally up to you. You don't need to be aiming for the moon all the time. You can be an entrepreneur. You can change lives in your community. You can do something that is fun to you and you can help people that are around you with that. And that is more than enough. And you can also scale as well too. So. A lot of people feel like where they're starting today is like, you know, they're trying to find this perfection and, um, and, and, and go out right off the bat and try to, you know, hit those really high goals right off the bat. But um, there's this thing called scaling and that really just starts from starting small. And as you're growing and as you're in, making income and your profits, then you use some of those and you invest into more. And, then you, you know, a lot of people just like you said, make one just be there already and shoot for the moon. Um, but it's good to set goals, but it's also start to, good to set smart goals, right? Goals that are reasonable, achievable, and they're um, timely, um, right? So you want to make sure that you're setting those type of goals. And then uh, as an entrepreneur, as you're learning, as you're growing, your business is growing, you're able to scale up as well. So you can, mm -hmm. when, yeah, that, that's such a great point, Oland. And to add on to that, you know, a lot of people think you have to like dive all in, but you, yeah, like you were saying, you can really just scale the business. You could even start just part-time. So then you, you don't have to quit your day job, just, you know, tinker away at it in the evening. You know, you, you don't have to be spending tons of money or tons of time. You can start small, you know, see what happens and just slowly grow over time and get bigger and bigger. You know, all of those things are extremely important for the understanding that entrepreneurship is something very personal. You don't need to be aiming to get someone else's goals. I am pretty sure if any of you just go and start researching about Steve Jobs or any other big entrepreneurs, you're going to understand that they started extremely small with an idea. And then that idea became something big. And if you want to make sure that the thing is going to be coming bigger and bigger and bigger, then you can go and do the scaling. Or if you're just happy doing whatever small business you're doing, getting your money every, at the end of every month and still making a lot of people around you happy, you can do that too. There is no more or less value in being an entrepreneur, like a bigger entrepreneur, a smaller entrepreneur. I would agree right? with that. Mm -hmm. Very true. So, but let's talk a little bit about the, again, the, the learnings, I guess that's very important. Right. Uh, what can we take home from everything that you have done as an entrepreneur that, for example, can be very educational in terms for life? Uh, again, I'm a foreigner. 
but it came to my attention that uh, the Canadian curriculum, uh, the Albertan curriculum for that matter, have uh, a specific part on life skills. And while I was exploring what is, like what are those life skills that the curriculum speaks so much about it, I was discovering there's a lot of resilience, you know, try and error and things that you should be doing in your life that would allow you to become a quote unquote better human person. Let's just put it in that way. Right. That's that's my take of the ultimate goal of that part of the curriculum. But again, in school, usually what you have is in your traditional form of education is it's very linear. You study, you get good grades, you get the reward. And that is good because events like that will happen in your life. For example, a job interview. Right. You need to get to know the company. You need to make sure that you know the, the minimum workings of how an interview uh, happens. And then finally, you do the interview and it's a matter of a yes or no. But an entrepreneur lifestyle never becomes a matter of yes and no. It's so multifactorial to the point that if you receive a maybe, it's easily bent into a yes at some point. Or a no in one location can become a yes with another partner, customer, or whatnot, right? In my high school, for example, we had a lot of partnerships. And again, the foundations of my high school were built with partnerships. And uh, in my region in my state in Brazil, we became fairly famous to the point that other universities that had similar projects, they started using us as their guidelines to become, you know, like their own uh, project in there. And just because we have that university from my hometown, as I told uh, before, as a partner, we had that connection that it would spread out to all the other universities that had some kind of connection. But where is the learning that? Imagine me as this guy who are just doing, you know, education and trying to make sure that people would get paid at the end of the month and helping some students. I would have to go into big universities meetings with people that had much, much more power than I ever thought I would have, that it would make 10 times what I was making there in that high school. And I'll have to talk about what works and what doesn't. It was extremely terrifying. And funny enough, because every each and one of us have a different background, some of the university's big shots, they would look at me and say, like, you have no idea what you're doing, child. And that was a no. I would understand that they are looking at my project, at my, my entrepreneurship venture, and they would say, this is not good enough. We believe that education should be better. And you are not checking the boxes that we believe are good boxes. And then they completely ignore the, the proposition, right? And I learned to kind of uh, even filter those types of people. Because if I'm going to go to, you know, showcase my idea, and some people put a lot of blocks on it, I would understand that those guys are not going to go anywhere. So I would, instead of putting a lot of effort to convince those guys, I would do the other way around. I would just keep the investment on those people the minimum, just so there is a, still some maintenance, in, like a interest that is maintained, right? And then I would invest more time and more effort to the people that would look like, okay, tell me more. Let me understand your business better, how you're doing, what are your process? And funny enough, that's when I learned uh, how influencing people is actually very beneficial in entrepreneurship as well. 
once those people that I put enough energy were sold and they love the idea and then they understand the value of the proposition, they would actually be speaking on my behalf and they will try to be influencing people that at first they were just like, eh, I don't like your idea. And again, school by itself with the learnings doesn't teach you how to influence people in that way. Your life skills might not allow you to have that learning. And even if you do, as they've said, as soon as you go there and you meet people and you're in a big meeting, your palms start to get sweaty, your heart starts to race, and that learning how to control and to navigate your own emotions is something that will only happen in real life situations. Yeah. Kind of going off of what you said there, Nick, I think um, my own, I guess, biggest takeaway, you know, not, you know, for the five years, essentially that I've been, um, had this entrepreneurship mindset and been an entrepreneur is um, essentially what you said, but just the more, more succinct <laughs> is you can't want for others what they don't want for themselves. And being in a position of leadership, being in a position of being a quote unquote boss or owner or somebody who's who's leading something, right? Who's the first to do something in a city or whatever the case may be, um, you're going to get a lot of followers, right? A followership. And some of those people stay, some of those people go. Some of those people you're trying to encourage people to jump on, you know, as you said, come to your school or, um, or buy the idea that your school is going to be good. And some people just won't. And so rather than trying to convince people, um, you know, one of the one of the quotes that I like the most, like I can't think of who said it, but it's like, is where convincing is necessary, convincing cannot be done. And so you can't there where you have to convince people to buy your product or come to your school or um, buy your idea, right? A lot of the biggest names that we know right now today, a lot of people said you can't do that. You're um, that's not going to happen in this century or something like that. And you had to in those if you stay stuck on those mindsets with those people, you never can you never accomplish what you want to accomplish. And so rather than trying to transform or change people's minds to convince them to be um, what they're not ready to be or believe in what they're not ready to believe in is rather is to go out and seek those that will. So um, being the sales and marketing manager here on both sides, right? So but definitely for sales, a lot of times you do hear no's, right? But one of the things I like to say is that every no leads you closer to a yes. And so as you're hearing no's, you're like, yeah, you get excited because you're like, okay, well, there's only a certain number of no's I can get because there's definitely going to be a yes in this, um, in, in, wherever you're looking, there's going to be a yes. And so as you're getting close, getting more no's, leading you closer to a yes. And so just staying positive really and understanding that um, not everyone's going to buy your idea, quote unquote, or your product or whatever the case may be, but there are people out there that will. And so your job isn't to convince people or change people, but it's to actually find those individuals that are already on board. Yep. Yeah. And to mm-hmm. add to that, Ola, it's, it's really important that again, we are all, I always like to say that because you, me, Dave, we're just talking about our positive experiences because we want to be inspirational. We want to show people out there that those things, they happen. It works, right? But we never say about the bad things for obvious reasons. Who wants to read or, or, or see, you know, and listen to sad stories, right? It, it gets a little, it turns people off. But mm-hmm. all those stories, they have their shares of no's. All those stories, they have their shares of you being depressed, you know, curling and crying by yourself in your bedroom. There is a lot of those barriers. But most importantly, we understand that those barriers happen. We learn how to deal with them. And even understanding that there are going to be more barriers in the future, we continued. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like I, those are both great, such, such great points. And I, I think one of the key things you learn from entrepreneurship is resiliency, being able to handle no's, being able to learn from it and having just the drive to keep going. You know, when you're, you're in school, everything is relatively laid out for you. You show up to classes at certain times, you have assignments on certain days. Uh, and even when you're working at a job too, you, you have certain tasks you have to do by certain times and you have certain duties and assignments from your boss and all that. But with entrepreneurship, it's all on you. If you're not making money, you have to figure out how to fix it. You know, if you're not getting clients, you have to figure out how to get some. If people are saying no, you have to figure out how to find people that will say yes or turn people's no's into yeses. So you, you do really need that drive and that resiliency to keep going, to keep figuring out how you can get better, where you can improve. And it's, it's such, a, such a key aspect of entrepreneurship that you really do learn when you're doing it. And you just can't, just can't learn in the classroom. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And just as you said, to echo that in the very beginning of the podcast, Dave, uh, there's a lot of figuring out. Like you need to figure out your price. You need to figure out your best approach. You need to figure out uh, your your customer. Like when Ola and I, we started thinking about our one-on-one learning sessions, it was a whole process. And I told Ola every here there, don't worry, we're learning. Don't worry, we're going to continue. We're going to nail this eventually. We need to try. We need to make sure that it works. We had a few families that came to us and we gave them like huge discounts just so we can prototype and see if that's going to work. Like we had a, another ice team specialist at the time that helped us creating the idea of how the curriculum should be. And we use his idea to come up with the system that we currently had, right? So again, I can spend hours talking about the process. The process is long and the process will never or rarely is going to be straight like high school, as you said, mm-hmm. but we need to continue, Right. Eventually, something is just gonna, you know, shine a mighty, beautiful light from the sky, and you're gonna say like, oh, "It worked." And once it does, then you have a good standard, then you have a good pattern, then you can just repeat and follow. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a wrap. Unless we're gonna be talking a lot about other experience and whatnot, but this podcast will be a little too long. So let's go for our take-home messages here. Let's start with Ola. What do you think, Ola? For our listeners out there, if they're considering becoming entrepreneurs, what they should keep in mind? I would say basically just everything we've talked about today is uh, number one, knowing that an entrepreneurship doesn't have to be an an inventor uh, and knowing that entrepreneurship just comes from solving problems and making a social impact and making an impact wherever you are. and really for me uh, is just like Dave just said recently, it's just resiliency and going through all of that and knowing that there is going to be something at the end of the road, just stay to it, keep to it um, and know that you will reach your goals in time, in due time. What about you, Dave? <laughs> oh yeah. Like fully agree with what Ola is saying, like resiliency and being able to keep pushing forward. And then the thing I would add, I suppose is, always keep evolving, figuring out where you can improve, how you can improve your product or service, where you can improve what you're offering to your customers, how you can improve your strategies, your pricing, all of that. Just, it it will be a lot of trial and error. You're going to hear a lot of no's. There'll be a lot of days where you just don't want to do it. Things aren't looking your way, but the, the trick is to just 
keep pushing and keep figuring out how to improve it and how to get better. There we go. And for me, besides all of that is, don't forget, everything in the entrepreneur's life, it's a very fluid process. Nothing is set on stone. There is no manual. There are strategies. But a strategy that worked for entrepreneur number one, chances are might not work for entrepreneur number two. I have been in meetings with people that are starting their companies and they look at me and say like, but I don't know how to tailor a contract. And I look at them and say like, don't worry. Contracts are literally just the rules of the game. What are the rules that you want to put in your game? Right. So figuring those details out will allow you to finally reach that comfort zone. But two is and chances are you're only going to reach that comfort zone a few years after you start your venture to the point where things are finally going good. And then you don't have to worry about maintaining the, the business as it is. And that's when your entrepreneur mindset needs to be triggered on again. And you need to think of ways to reinvent and to do more things better. Yeah. And just one more thing I would like to add that I know before we get out of here is um, if there's anybody on listening on this call right now who's gotten some nuggets from here and does find that this information was, you know, useful um, and would like to tailor their entrepreneurship more, um, we at Code Minds, we love that. We are all about, um, yeah, we understand that you're going to learn hands-on. Sometimes it's good to kind of go in with an arsenal and kind of go with some steps. And so, you know, we do have our entrepreneurship club for, for kids um, from grades uh, five to 12. And um, we also do have the, the Edge Makers, which is a program that we use that's literally step-by-step, step, starting from uh, the qualities of an entrepreneur all the way to um, the things to do, like having a journal, how to how to keep a journal as an entrepreneur and startups and everything like that too. So if um, a little hand-holding and a little bit of direction is what you do need. Um, we definitely are here for that as well, too. So don't, do not be afraid to reach out to us at Cody Mind, too. There you go. And with that in mind, this is Nick Zatuni, over and out. Goodbye, guys. See you guys later.